Gosh, this is so awesome, man. I never in a million years thought something like this would happen. And a turn number four come the most powerful weight models on the planet in the world of outlaws. I call Scott my dad, and uh, <laughs> nothing like the best in the business, breathing down your throat your first outlaw win. Ah, yes. Welcome, everybody. This is episode number four of Stick Signals, and today we have a very exciting show lined up. Welcome on in. My name is Ruben Morales, your host alongside, well, again, not alongside my co-host, uh, Mick, because you're 2,000 miles away from me. Uh, Mick, um, what a fun weekend. It was, and and I may be 2,000 miles away from you, but I literally saw you this morning. So uh, You did see me this morning. And yes, I, you. you dropped me off at the airport this morning. Yeah, after a long drive back <laughs> from Bristol. Which, by the way, I could not fall asleep. I was just so pumped from Bristol. But we'll talk about that here in just a little bit. Uh, Mick, you know, it kind of feels like, you know, with Bristol happening yesterday, it kind of feels that Smoky Mountain happened like a week ago. You know, kind of like, you know, we had that Sunday day off. And let's talk about Smoky Mountain going back to that. Well, it was none other than Chris Smoky Madden. And by the way, on the podcast, we're going to have our third outlaw on the podcast. And now some of you are probably scratching your heads and saying, did I skip an episode? Well, look, we talked to Mike McKinney and we talked to Arpin in episode two. Well, you know, they're not outlaws. We talked to Bobby Pierce. We talked to Bells. Bells is a given. And we talked to Chris Madden. So now you're like, huh? Well, yes, it's official. Chris Madden has signed on tour with the World of Outlaws Morton Buildings Late Model Series. Now, Chris is on tour, Mick. That, that's that's pretty big. And he told us in episode three that he said, you know, we're going to be with you guys for as long as we can till things go going right. And, and Chris was 13th in points. He said, I have a lot of ground to make up. Guess what? He's eighth now. He moved up five spots in the points with that big win. Yeah, there was a lot of points shuffling this weekend. And uh, he really, you know, he's so good at Smoky Mountain. And, and then he he had that issue last year. And, and to come back and, and get redemption and, and win it in that fashion was good to see Chris Madden and, and glad to have him back on the tour. Yeah, won there in 2017 and almost won it last year until mechanical failures and got it done this year over Mike Marler, which, by the way, Mike Marler won there last year. He didn't give it to him that easy. Smoky Mountain. Uh, yes, we had an earlier start time, Mick. Yes, the sun was beating down in the track. But you know what? Uh, my first thoughts of Smoky Mountain when I first got there, I, I thought the track was going to be bigger than what it was. I, I you know, seeing it on Dirt Vision a lot of the times before going there, I had never been there. It honestly looks smaller than what it was, but it raced bigger than what it was when the, when the cars got on there. But with that early start, hey, I thought it was still a pretty good race. Lap traffic, Madden held his own. Marla was right there underneath him. Davenport and O'Neill third and fourth. I thought it was a pretty good race. Then, uh, obviously, drivers had their, uh, their off day on Sunday. A lot of them getting ready for the Bristol test that we talked about. It was just for the World of Outlaw teams on Monday uh, night, starting at 5 Eastern at the Bristol Motor Speedway. But we'll talk about that later. Let's talk about some news and notes, Mick, for the World of Outlaws, Morton buildings late model series we talk about chris madden picking up his 29th career victory second at smoky mountain now he's signing on tour uh another thing if you noticed ashton winger was not in the house and i hate to say that because obviously ashton's in our intro we, we love ashton got that big twenty thousand to win last year the rookie of the year last year well we all know the team uh kind of you know fell apart there at the beginning of the season and ashton just didn't get a good start at speed weeks and uh, ashton said you know what we'll come back and try it again uh hopefully next year so ashton off tour with the outlaws that really hurts to say that and uh, Mick, you talked about it right now point shuffle I mean we all know Kyle Strickler had the point lead going in with 68 points he is now a 66 uh, advantage over 
Guess who? Brandon Shepard. Shepard moved up four spots in the points through one night of competition. From sixth to second, Shepard is now second in points. Ricky Weiss still in third. He's only 10 points behind Sheppy. Tyler Bruning, he's a guy that didn't really, uh, you know, we, we didn't talk much about over the weekend, but he, he was pretty decent. He didn't move up and down in points. He's fourth. Kyle Bronson, oh, uh, you have to feel for Kyle. He he was on the struggle bus here this weekend, but uh, dropped down three spots in the points. Yeah, well... I mean, we talked a couple of weeks ago about, you know, how, how fast will it take or how long will it take for Shepard to dig himself out of the hole? And points seem so hard to get, but man, things can get shuffled really quick, especially early in the season like this. Yeah, I mean, we saw the, the point shuffle just in one race, and that was at Smoky Mountain, so uh, definitely a lot more can shuffle. Other news and notes that we have for you here on Stick Signals is uh, Cade Dillard. I mean, I you got to feel for Cade, Mick. I mean, you know, Evolution was involved in that wreck, and now Cade debuted a brand new MB Custom, and man, Cade finished 31st after uh, being involved in that wreck there in turn number two. And uh, you just have to feel because the front clip was bent and those guys are back in Louisiana and, you know, they're working hard. So the Dillard, you know, Kay Dillard struggling to start the season off and that's tough for him. Yeah, it's tough to see where everyone loves to watch Cade and, and the improvement he made last year. But, you know, there's ebbs and flows in racing and hopefully those guys can go back and, and work on their stuff and, and come back out and and start to make some momentum. Last thing we have here on our news and notes are the guys that raced Cherokee on Sunday. Obviously, that big race at Cherokee on Sunday. A lot of our guys went to go uh, prepare for Cherokee because that's the next time the World of Outlaws Morton Buildings Late Model Series will be in action. Uh, March 26th and 27th, uh, Ryan Gustin was out there on Marshalltown, Iowa. I was really shook to see Gustin out there. But yeah, Gustin was there. Bales was there, obviously. Strickler and a couple of other uh, other guys that run the outlaw tour were out there so it was pretty good to see them they're getting ready for march 26th and 27th with the world of outlaws morton buildings late model series next time we will be in action so we have a quite a couple weeks we have what's three weeks that we'll be back in action but two and a half weeks off definitely but hey mick we got to thank Manscaped. Manscaped, uh, hey, it's March Madness. This tournament season, take care of your hair with the best tools for the job. We're talking about our sponsor, Manscaped, the global leaders in male grooming from head to toe. When the clock winds down in March, be clutch and avoid the upset with a Manscaped performance package to keep all your hair trimmed. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Join the Manscaped movement and start taking care of your family jewels today with 20% off and free shipping by going to manscaped.com and using code sticksignals21 for this exclusive offer. By the way, Mick, I uh, I did call you to tell you this before we get into today's uh uh big interview real quick. Uh, I was testing the wireless mic at Smoky Mountain Speedway and I I'm one of those that tests all around the racetrack and I was going down the back straightaway and they have tier parking there and I was testing the wireless and the, these guys they were having a good time grilling out, you know, having some cold ones before the race and they they yelled out my name. They're like, "Ruben." Right, right. And I'm like, "Hey guys." They're all like, "Stick signals." So <laughs> so, sh- so <laughs> shout out to you guys and thank you all so much for tuning in make it's pretty cool you know only three episodes well four ep- four episodes out now but by the time Smokey was there three episodes out and uh, fans are loving it yeah yeah it's getting good traction and people are seem to be enjoying it and we appreciate the interaction definitely send us questions and hit us up on twitter and all those fun things we might have to come up with some stick signals merch but hey i i will tell you what you could get world of outlaws merch at a store.worldofoutlaws.com now uh, live so yes if, if you can't make it to a world of outlaws morton buildings late model series event don't sweat it we got you uh go check it out it's store.worldofoutlaws.com 
Tom now live. Go check it out. Get that official merchandise of the Outlaws. I know they just released some uh, new designs uh, this past weekend, so go check it out. Well, Mick, today we talked to our current point leader, already a two-time winner with a series this year, none other than the high side tickler, Kyle Strickler. All right, here we are with the high side tickler, Kyle Strickler. Kyle, if no one has told you yet, I told Ross Bales, I'm going to tell you, welcome to the world of outlaws, my friend. We all know the news at the beginning of, at the end of last year, I should say, you're going to go run, you know, Lucas Oil. Now you're on board with us with the world of outlaws, Morton Buildings, late model series. Welcome, my friend. We'll get more into detail on that later. How'd you get into racing? Let's start there. Oh, I've been, uh, I've been in racing pretty much my whole life. Uh, when I first went to, uh, the racetrack, I don't know, I was probably, uh, you know, real, real young and. My parents had race cars and my dad raced and owned race cars. And, uh, I started racing go-karts when I was, when I was 10 and, um, in Pennsylvania and, and I actually started on an asphalt road course and, uh, couldn't, couldn't catch a break, couldn't get a win. I think second was my best finish. And then, um, ended up going over to a, an oval track dirt cart and, uh, um, had success right off the bat there. And that's probably where I belonged in. Um, we actually raced at a place, uh, Shippensburg and, um, uh, I forget what the other name of the track was up in, uh, up in the Poconos, uh, raced up there a bunch. And, um, then when I got old enough to go move in around the, the sportsman Northeast modifieds at, uh, places like Susquehanna and big diamond Grandview and, um, then kind of comp compressed or, uh, progressed up those, those ranks there and raced, uh, in Delaware, US 13, because I wasn't old enough to race uh, in Jersey. You got to be 18 to race in Jersey, and the and the state cops they run the uh, safety regulations and all that stuff. So couldn't race in Jersey. And then when I got old enough, we raced at Bridgeport and um, all up and down the East Coast and the Northeast Big Block Modifieds, and uh, until I felt like I wanted to be a big time race car driver and moved down south to North Carolina. Right, which was that brings us to. 2006 you moved down here i think right yep yep and uh so that that was the idea like to come down here and kind of get your shot and I, I know you worked at rusty wallace racing for a little bit and robbie gordon motorsports but uh did you come down here and drive or did it take you some time to get it back in a car <laughs> well i mean when you when you're anywhere else in the country than here you you're kind of oblivious to how it really works you know so i watched everything on tv and i wanted to be a race car driver and all my deals were falling through at home and uh, I was driving for a guy, uh, Don Fanslow and, and, um, I was driving for another, another guy, um, Ray Carroll and tabloid graphics, um, for like the tour ride stuff. And both those rides didn't look good for the, the upcoming year. And, um, I needed to change and a bunch of my crew guys had moved down and we knew a lot of people down here. And I just said to hell with it. I want to, I'm ready for a change. I'll move down and, and, uh, called and, um, got a job at actually really close to where we're at right now at the studio. It was, it was right over here where the, where the wind tunnel is at now. It was leading edge fabrication. Uh, Pat Beatty, I called him and uh, he hired me over the phone, moved down the next week, started working and I was, you know, had all my bags packed and I'm coming down here. I'm going to get me a big time racing, you know, ride right off the bat and I'm going to go super late model race and it's going to be easy. Right. <laughs> I moved down here and it's like moving to Hollywood, trying to be an actor. Right. I mean, everybody and their brother, uh, drives race cars or is involved in racing down here. So it took me from 2006. I ran some, the, um, uh, winged outlaw carts out at Millbridge, which is, it's a far cry from what it 
or what it is now is a far cry from what it used to be. It was um, back then. It was not near the facility that it is now, and and all the attention that it gets now is is it's not even close to you know it wasn't even close to that back then. It was like five of us out there running around and and just tearing all kinds of stuff up and having a blast. But um, I ran a couple uh, I ran a couple years of them just because that's the only thing I could afford to do. And I was working you know at uh, Rusty Wallace's and and Robbie Gordon's at that time and. Um, it took me till 2009, the end of 2009, um, for me to get into a full size, uh, UMP IMCA style modified. And I mean, that was kind of pure luck. Uh, uh, I had worked with a guy, George Eisenhower was the parts guy at, at, um, hype racing with David Gilliland. I was working up there and, and, uh, we ended up meeting or, or seeing each other again. I was, I was dating a girl that was cutting hair and, uh, she cut his hair and he was telling her how he just fired his driver and, and, uh, you know, she was like, well, why don't you let my boyfriend give him, give him a shot? You know? So we <laughs> nice. put a test together at East Lincoln and went out there and, um, um, Kevin Stella, um, you know, who I didn't even know who Kevin Stella was at the time, but he's, you know, a big time IMCA and, and, uh, Wasota, uh, modified racer. And, and he was there testing the car. And, um, I went out there and I was running the same lap times as him. And uh, he actually told the guy, he's like, I'm, I'm getting ready to leave here and I'm on the end of my career. You need to put that, that kid in the car. He's going to, he's going to be great. And, you know, so that's kind of where it started down here. And, and we ran, uh, I think 10 races um, or no, I won nine races um, the first end of the half of the season, I think it was. And then um, went to Eldora uh, for my first time and then came back the next year and, uh, got a real lucky break with George, the same car owner, and, and we ended up getting hooked up with Harris Auto Racing and uh, got us a brand new um, Harris Modified. And I think we won like 25 races the next year at, at uh, East Lincoln in Carolina. And um, back then it was just, it was me, Danny Bone, and Nick Hoffman beating the wheels off each other, every <laughs> knocking defenders off every, uh, uh, every Friday and Saturday night at those two racetracks. So did it take you a little bit of time to – knock the rust off. It sounds like it didn't like you just hopped in the modified and, and picked back up where you were. Um, I mean, I think that it was, it happened at the right time in my life that, uh, I needed a change. And then I, you know, when I first moved down here, I, you know, racing, I, I had always raced in, um, not that it was a hundred percent given to me and I never worked on the car, but I didn't realize what I had until it was, until I lost it, you know, and then you move down South and, um, everything, you know, you're out on your own. And my parents were still back in Pennsylvania and, um, you really realize how much they, they did for you, you know, and, and, um, you know, how hard it is to make it, you know, I, back then we were spending 50, $60,000 a year racing. And that was just a number to me. Like I didn't, I didn't know how hard it was to go out and earn $60,000 <laughs> to be able to spend that extra on racing, you know? Right. Uh, so once I, I had to grow up and then I had my house and I had a real, real job and I had to pay a mortgage and, um, you know, then I got started getting more opportunities. So I really wanted it more. Like, uh, you know, I, I was bound and determined that if I ever got back in a race car again, that I was going to make it count. And, um, you know, just put my 100%, put my, my heart into it. And, um, I think I won maybe 10 races before I moved down South and we've won, over 200 now since, since I've been here, since I've been racing modifieds and, and late models now. Yeah. Was, what did you do working on race cars for shops? You fabricator, setup yep. guy? Or? Fabricator. Yeah. That's what I've, I've always liked building stuff and, and fabricating. I knew how to weld before I moved down here and 
um, leading edge fabrication was the job that I got for, for uh, Pat Beatty. And um, so, yeah, I was finished fab mostly. And then um, just kind of always been on that side of it. Never really was an on the road mechanic. Right. Kyle, having gone through that sort of a reverse bell curve, uh, did you ever think that you'd be where you are now moving into super late models, really making a mark on the world and now on you with the outlaws and showing up like you have? Um, I mean, yeah, I, I, I thought that I would be here a long time ago. I thought I deserved to be here a long time ago and, and really wanted to be here. Um, I kind of even was joking around about the fact that like it took me so long and I've had probably 10 super late model rides that were supposed to happen that never really, um, panned out. You know, I thought I was going to, um, get this deal or that deal and then somebody else would get it or it would fall through and, um, I would just go back modified racing, you know? So, uh, when I first got, you know, I guess what really got the ball rolling because late mile racing nowadays is so competitive and there's so many good race car drivers that are, that are involved in it. So the, the actual rides are far and few between. Um, but when I got that opportunity to go drive Lance Lander's car and, um, and won the gumbo nationals, I felt like that was a good enough step in my career that I could prove to people that I deserved a, a shot, you know, and then uh, I got the deal with Wells and ran, um, ran half three quarters of a season with them. And, um, and then went back on my own there a little bit and now progressing into, uh, uh the ride with, uh, Craig and Shannon Sims at PCC. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, it's been a long time coming. I, I, I'm, you know, very grateful for where I'm at and it was way harder to get here. It took way longer than I thought, but I'm glad I'm here now and I'm definitely going to make the most of it. How did the opportunity come with uh, Craig and Shannon Sims? Um, you know, actually there was a lot of talks of, you know, where I was going to go or who I was going to do and, uh, or who I was going to go drive for. And, and, um, uh, actually Steve Francis with Lucas oil, you know, he, he helped me a lot in kind of putting us two together. And, um, you know, Craig was, uh, had Hudson driving for him and, uh, Hudson, you know, took the deal with Double Down and, and that kind of, you know, Craig got a little bit of a taste of, of how much he wanted to go racing. And, uh, we actually met for the first time at, at Portsmouth for the, uh, for the Dirt Truck World Championship and, and kind of hit it off. And, um, he, uh, he was looking for a lot of what I had and I was looking for a lot of what he had. And, um, so far so good. It's, um, it's been, uh, it's been a pretty good fit, especially since, uh, He's so busy with his uh, concrete cutting and drilling business in Indiana there that he lets us have all the race cars and stuff down here. And, and Vinny and I can um, pretty much do do what we want down here and work on the cars. And with me having my family down here, my wife and kids, it's, it makes it – that's pretty much the only way that was going to be able to make it work. You had a great showing last year, obviously, Aldora. And Mick will talk about Aldora in just a little bit. But when I saw you announce you were going to – you know. Follow the Dryden Extreme Dirt Car Series. I said, write the check. I didn't tell nobody, but I said personally, write the check. And then you go to the Dryden Extreme Dirt Car Series, and you didn't do very well. Was there a concern going into the season before Sunshine? Um, you know, I don't. Uh, I, I mean, I thought after last year that we were on such a high, our momentum was rolling good, and and um, I thought that we'd be able to pick up right where we left off. But when you make a you know everybody's so good in this late model game. You know, it's when you make a car switch, motor switch, team switch you can have everything in place and still struggle. So then when you make such a big change, um, I honestly, I never even drove a rocket before. Well, I, I drove a rocket one time for, uh, for Royce McGee at Carolina Speedway, um, ran a uh, Carolina class race. And, you know, that was years ago. Um, 
so getting in them, I wanted to give them a, a fair shot and, and see, because that's what Craig had. And um, it was, um, it just wasn't a good fit for us. So then when we started struggling, it was, it was tough. And it was, then we were in definitely a big push to get back to what we knew so we could, um, to see if we could pick up where we left off with the Longhorns last year. So last lap at Eldora last year. I mean, everybody knows the story, so we don't have to rehash it. But you, you put a Facebook post up the next day. I said, there's no benefit in dwelling in the past. We're going to move forward and stay focused and motivated. And like a week or two later, you go to Fairbury and break. <laughs> I probably got to cut that out. But you go and break, and break the, the record. So talk about your resilience. That's, that, I think that's one of the things that people kind of gravitate towards you for. It's like you don't get beat down. What kind of keeps your spirits up? Well, I mean, I've, I've worked so hard to get here that, you know, that's one thing that I will say about some of the other drivers that um, I think that have been doing it for so long that they're almost like at the racetrack, almost miserable. I'm like, yeah, I, <laughs> I, I love doing this. And, and uh, being at the racetrack and driving race cars for a living is, is my happy place. And that's what I've always wanted to do. So, yeah, exactly. I mean, there's definitely highs and lows and, and there, there's, you know, it's not all um, all sunshine and, and, and roses, but uh you know, it's for the most part, I've worked really hard to get here and this is what I want to do and, and I'm getting to do it, you know, and uh, now, especially with doing the late mile stuff, um, you know, it's, it's, like I said, it's what I've always wanted to do. So I love going to Eldora and I feel like everything, you got to take the good with the bad. And so it'll come back around. It was definitely a, a hard pill to swallow there, but um, I think somebody on social media said that, you know, you can't judge your you don't judge somebody on their on their good performances. You judge them on what they do when something really bad happens, or or when when you know some misfortune like what happened to me. So right. um, I've kind of taken that and and you know choose to take the the high road with the deal. I mean, I could have went in there and didn't want to talk to anybody, but uh, that wasn't going to fix anything. And and uh, I think it, I gained a lot of respect from a lot of the fans and and. Uh, you know, to this day, it's still the biggest moment of my career, even though it wasn't good. It was still the biggest <laughs> moment. I mean, the social media interaction that we got from that is was huge. And, um, you know, Craig, Craig and Shannon both said that that was a big part of how I handled that was a big part of how, why they wanted me to drive their race cars, you know, because um, I handled it very professional. And and um, I mean, it's the throwing a fit and coming in and throwing my helmet and yelling and screaming, everybody isn't going to put air back in the tire. So no. <laughs> it's, it's a part of it, but the Fairberry deal was, was absolutely awesome. Like that was, I remember, still remember it when I came off of the racetrack from, uh, from the lap, like everybody's going crazy. I'm looking at the officials are jumping up and down and like, <laughs> I'm like, what just happened there? And you know, then, you know, I see my number was quick time so I'm like, okay, well, I'm quick time, but everybody's making like a huge deal over this. I mean, the crowd was going, well, I could hear them screaming in the car. <laughs> wow. And um, I didn't realize I broke the track record. And then they're coming over, they're banging on the car. Like, you just broke the track record. And uh, <laughs> it was absolutely awesome. And I mean, obviously right after the Eldor deal. So it was like, everything was primed and ready. And it was just one of them Cinderella story moments sure. that like everybody was talking about us on social media. And, and, you know, the racing community was rallying behind me for something good to happen. And, and that was that moment in, in a place like Fairbury, which the whole town gets involved and there's so many great fans there that um, it was a perfect setting for it to for it to happen. And I mean, even afterwards, I'm coming off the racetrack and the whole backstretch is standing up and they're they're cheering and screaming and yelling. And um, that was that definitely boosted me back up. Uh, 
it didn't pay fifty thousand, but uh, <laughs> it was it was well worth it for uh, for me personally. Right. So your your rival rivalry with Stremi. Mm-hmm. Have you found anybody in late models that that you kind of want to go after? Like like your guys' battles were amazing yeah. as a fan to watch. Love it. But yeah. <laughs> have you found anybody to kind of go after in late models? Um, there's a lot of guys uh, that I. You know, the older guys, the guys have been doing it for a long time. I have a lot of respect for them. Um, and I, so I raised them a lot of respect. Um, I I would say that it's not, it's different. Like me and Stremmy, that was a more of a personal deal because I worked there and we were both mad at each other off racetrack. And then it just, you know, spilled over you know, to onto the racetrack. You know, mm-hmm. the whole Charlotte deal, it was, it was all timing, you know, because we're both, this is our home race and we both have all of our sponsors here and, and all of our supports here. And, um, I mean, hell, I, I won the, the big race that paid money. That was an yeah. all-star race. I think it yeah. paid like 500 bucks to win or something. <laughs> and we just jumped two race cars, but, um, yeah, that was, that was a totally different deal. But I'd say now it's not really a rivalry, but it's more of a, I want to beat the other modified guys that come in there. Like Ricky Thornton and I, we get, uh, we get along great, but there's always, um, that on track, like, I don't care if I finish 20th as long as Rexy finishes 21st. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so it's not that we, we don't like each other. It's that, you know, when you're coming up and you have similar backgrounds, Nick Hoffman and I was the same way when he was, you know, doing late mile stuff. We we helped each other, but we always wanted to outrun each other too because people are always going to compare us. Yeah. You know, and and I think with what, with R- what Ricky and I are doing right now, it's very reminiscent of um, – uh, Mike Marther and Jimmy Owens, you know, when they came yes. out of the modified and they, and they yes. took late mile racing by storm. And, and, um, so hopefully we can, we can pan out to be two guys like, uh, uh, Marler and Jimmy Owens. Cause those are two really good, uh, late mile drivers now. In, in episode three of stick signals, Kyle, we talked about how the modified guys are taking the late model scene by storm and you were one of them. And we talked about Jimmy Owens and I'm glad you brought up Mike Marler. Cause I forgot about Marler coming from mods. Um, why are modified guys adapting to late models so well in 2021? Uh, I think that it's just kind of taken that path there for a while. It, there wasn't a lot of modified guys that um, I think that were on their way up. It was either, you know, the modifieds was uh, guys that either wanted to wanted to race modifieds and didn't want to go to late model racing or had raced late models like a Rick Auckland. You know, I mean, I battled with him a ton, yeah. but well, he's already in the late model hall of fame and now he's coming yeah. down and it was, uh, you know, I didn't even ever didn't even know he raced late models until, <laughs> uh, until I started racing with him And, and, um, so yeah, so I think the timing was right, you know, and then, uh, you know, Kyle Bronson was probably the first, one of the first ones from our age group there, our time period to really jump out and have a lot of success. And then, um, you know, now Kay Dillard, uh, Nick Hoffman did it. And now he's gone back to the to, to modifieds, but, uh, then Ricky Thornton. Um, and I just think that the, the modifieds are so much, they're not, I wouldn't say harder to drive, but they take more feel and more finesse. You know, it's, uh, especially now with, with the modifieds not having a spoiler and, and, um, you know, they're, they don't make a lot of downforce. And a lot of times I underdrive my late model because I'm trying to finesse it too much, you know, and, uh, it's way harder to come out of a late model and try to drive a modified than it is to go from a modified into a late model. So I think you, once you learn how aggressive you can be in a late model, um, you know, you're, you don't really feel like you're going that much faster at all. I mean, you, it, there, there's way more grip and you feel way more stuck to the racetrack than you do in a modified. A modified, you're, 
you're slipping and sliding and, and most of the time and, and um, you really have to keep the car underneath you and be able to control wheel spin and, and uh, get the car going forward. So uh, I love it. I mean, I love when, when all the modified guys come, come out and, and can, it kind of justifies the modified community to the late model crowd. Are there setup things that cross over between mods and, and late models? Um, yes and no. It's, it's um, a lot of the theories are the same, um, but a lot of times it's you know right right now the late model world is is everything is so finicky and so close. Like I would run a pretty close to the same setup at ninety nine percent of the out of the, the tracks when I ran the modified, and mm-hmm. I would just drive around it or make adjustments off of what I was feeling. The late model stuff you got to be pretty damn close when you show up to the racetrack or you're going to be struggling. <laughs> um, so like you know we still do a lot of tuning like for the you know the the rear suspension is almost similar or almost identical only difference is pull bar and, and lift arm um but uh you know as far as moving like i i like doing a lot of the geometry of the rear geometry of the car is what i mess with Vinny, my crew chief he he's more of a shock and springs guy so that's so important so all of that is completely different you know because we can only run one shock one spring you know you can't run you know, two shocks on the left rear and, and stacks and, and right. all this stuff that you can run in late miles. You can't run any of that in the modified. So um, it, it puts you in a way smaller window on the modified side of it. So, um, but you can still, for for the feel and adjusting when you're on the racetrack and you feel something, I still come to Vinny with ideas and, and tell him, you know, I'm sure he gets pissed at me because I'd say, well, in my modified, I do this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's not a modified, but... Uh, uh, I still feel things, and I'm still trying to convert everything over to the late model world. Right. Are, are late models a little more aero-dependent? Uh, I mean, the way the modifieds are getting now, you know, the the, the late models are, are definitely more aero-dependent, but the, the modifieds ain't too far behind them, especially you go to a big place, and I feel like that's what helps me at a lot of the places that I'm good at is, you know, like the Eldoras, Charlotte, Volusia, places where you have to race the air, um, I think I have a lot of experience of doing that. So it made it um, an easier transition for me to go to those big racetracks in a late model, uh, knowing how I have to race the air and modified. Right. Now that we're on that topic, Kyle, you told me something very interesting at Smoky Mountain when I talked to you. You said, uh, I told you, I mean, you're off to a hot start here in the south, you know, southeast region, you know, kind of where you're from. But you said your actual comfy spot is actually in the Midwest. Is the competition in trouble right now? Um, I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> I mean, I once again, we're in uh, we, this this past weekend, we ran Smoky Mountain and and, uh, and Cherokee and uh, a solid 15th at Smoky Mountain, which <laughs> we we were terrible when we we started. Uh, uh, I didn't think the track would be that slick, and and uh, we missed it in hot laps, and then we were scrambling to catch up. But um, we were fast at uh, at Cherokee, and uh, really looking forward to the World of Outlaw race there. Um, but it rubbered up, and we got stuck on the outside, and. Um, missed the pole by a tenth. Zach Mitchell beat me, and then that put me second row on the outside. And Jimmy Owens was right behind me, and it's rubbered up. So I just kind of got in line and uh, lost the spot every restart when I got stuck on the outside. So still can't get that Carolina win in the late model that I've, <laughs> I've been trying to get. But uh, yeah, when I got in the Midwest, I mean, I, I love those racetracks like the you know Fairbury. I can't wait to go to Knoxville in in, um, in a late model because I've won uh, two Harris clashes there in the modifieds. Um, I'm really excited to go to Boone. 
uh, with winning two Super Nationals there, and I got a ton of support and ton of fans out in that. You know, I, I pretty much would live there when we would go out um, and race IMCA Modifieds out there. So um, really excited for that. And any kind of black dirt that's out in the Midwest uh, usually, you know, fits my style. And um, I really like when the racetrack cleans up. And it's kind of crazy, like we were talking about this weekend, Ruben, is, you know, that, that I'm from or lived here for a long time. And, and this is a place that I really don't like going <laughs> racing that much. I like <laughs> traveling out and and racing the racetracks, you know, uh, really excited to go to Batesville. That's another one in in a uh, in a late model and uh, won the race for hope there in the modified. So, um, anytime we can travel and um, go to different parts of the country, that that uh, usually when that's when we have success. You talk about the red dirt and the the brown dirt. What's the big difference there? Um, it seems like in especially in the Carolinas that it just it never quits making dirt. And what I mean by that is like you go out in the Midwest and the track will seal up and then it, it cleans up and you can race all over it. Well, here in the Carolinas, it's just continually blowing dirt and it lays on top of the racetrack. So you end up just cleaning up one lane that everybody's racing in and then you follow each other around the whole race. So, um, you know, if you get behind a little bit or you don't start on the front row and you don't get out front, it's just really hard to, um, to pass and to, you know, to, to make any kind of good racing. You know, it's not like the, the promoters of the track crews around here aren't trying, you know, they, they try everything in the damn book to, to make these racetracks racy. And it's just so hard because the racetracks don't seal over and they don't clean up. And, um, I mean, it's just so hard to get multi-groove racing around here. So that leads us to Bristol. You tested there already. What do you think about Bristol? And obviously you're going to be running a modified and you're going to be running a late model. Like, are you, you know, eating well? Are you working out? Like this is going to be a workout for you. You're going to be wore out at the end of the night. Like how is Kyle preparing for Bristol? And what are your thoughts about Bristol? Um, it's, um, it's different than what I thought. I mean, obviously when you walk into that place, like that was, that was one of the coolest things, you know, to me was like just being there. And then you walk down in there and you just look up and it's, it, it is a true Coliseum and it, yeah. it's just, it's awesome just to, to be a part of that and just be able to see it from that viewpoint. And, um, but then once you get on race, on the racetrack, it's completely different than what I thought it would be. I thought it would be um, really hard on the cars and, and, you know, a, a lot of, um, a lot of load getting in the corner, which it almost loads you, loads up more in the middle of the corner because there's so much banking and it's not, it's more gradual than like a Taswell or, um, it's, or Bulls Gap where you're driving in there and then you make a, a sudden turn into a lot of banking and it spikes the, the right front load and you're bottoming out. Um, I mean, our car was really good at the test but we weren't bottoming out and I hardly was turning the wheel at all around there. I would just, I was holding her wide open and just driving it like a go-kart around there. And, um, you know, it would, it would load up the whole, all four tires in the center of the corner and you could feel that you were pulling a lot of G's, but, um, you know, I think it's going to be a lot harder on motors and not as hard on the cars, um, as everybody thought, but everybody's just testing it. We haven't seen any racing yet. So what scares me the most is, you're going so fast there and it doesn't feel like you're going that fast until something happens in front of you. So if you're running mid pack and they wreck in front of you, a lot of dirt racers try to stop to miss the wreck. You know, right. like, like asphalt racers will, you know, like days of thunder drive through it. You yep, know? Yep, yep. Uh, and that's what you're going to have to do. <laughs> I think, I, I mean, you're going to have to try to not jab on the brake and spin the car around. You're going to have to try to just miss the wreck because yeah. you're not going to stop for it. So, 
I think that if they do wreck, hopefully they don't, but if they wreck and it's in the front of the field, there's going to be a lot of tore up equipment and hopefully everybody, which I know they're going to have a lot of, um, you know, safety checks and everything for making sure that everybody's safety stuff is right. But um, as far as the actual racing, you know, single car, it's not nearly as bad as what I thought it was. Right. 125.7 mile per hour average last night for Ricky Weiss and Brandon Shepard. Uh, just, I mean, two tenths off that. So that was that, that I can see what you're saying. There is going to be fast. Now, your nickname. We got to talk about this. The high side tickler, Bristol. Are you going to be up against that wall? Like, wh- where did that nickname come from? Who gave you that, and uh, who coined it? Yeah, hopefully, uh, which the track did look a lot better last night. I watched the uh, the test, and uh, you know, they when we were there, I think it was more of a practice for the track crew because they were still trying to learn everything, and they went and they put that water on it right when the sun was going down, and it flooded it. Um, so the racetrack looked a lot wider and a lot better than uh, last night than it, what it was when we were there. So. Hopefully it widens out and you can run around that top. And, and I seen where they were trying to work their way down to, to get off the transition. Um, so that's what, that's what I want. I mean, if I can get it to widen out and, and the top's the way to be, um, we'll definitely be up there. But uh, the high side tickler nickname, that was um, a bunch of guys from Boone, Iowa. Um, when they, uh, John Logue, Tom Hughley, um, you know, Joe Bush, they, all those guys, we're out in Boone, Iowa, and, and they brought me a race car uh, here to Mooresville, and uh, we were going racing that weekend, and we were, of course, we were hanging out in the garage drinking cold beer and having a few bush lattes, and and uh, <laughs> it used to be the high side flyer, and nobody, I mean, it was all right, but it wasn't near what the what the response for the high side tickler is, but uh, Tom Hughley, you know, he was, he was sitting there, and I think he realized that it, you know, my uh, my name rhymed with tickler, and uh, we used to have a bunch of parties at the house, and and I had a drink that I made that was the Strickler tickler, and um, uh, we used to get a little wild on that, and and, and have some good times, and uh, so yeah, so he said, you know, we're gonna get rid of this high side flyer deal. We're just gonna it's gonna be the high side tickler, and I'm like, oh, this is either gonna be really good or really bad. And he actually <laughs> covered up my name with uh with tape and uh wrote high side tickler on there. Uh we go to Lancaster Speedway, I win the modified race and they're half drunk in the pits. They come out, he takes the microphone out of the announcer's hand when he announces me as the high side flyer and he says, That ain't the high side flyer, it's the high side tickler and uh the fans were like they loved it and, and <laughs> We had T-shirts that said the high side flyer. And I remember the fans being pissed off because they would come down and all they wanted was a tickler shirt and they couldn't get one because, uh, uh, because we didn't have me. I'm like, this, this name is just, it's, it's just new. It's, uh, so we're, we're going to have to, I said, we're definitely onto something here. We're going to have to get, uh, get some high side tickler shirts. So what's in the high side tick, the, the, what'd you call it? The tickler, the strickler tickler. Yeah. What's in the strickler tickler? Yeah. I would, like I said, we were, well then a little backstory on the whole thing. So like, I moved down and like, like we talked about, I lived with my parents before, and then I moved down here and then get a house. So like, we were all working and racing, and so we'd have parties all the time. And um, we came up with this drink, the Strickler Tickler, and it was, uh, which I need to start making them again now that we're talking about it. But <laughs> it's, uh, it was blue UV vodka and cranberry juice, and um, I can drink a lot of beer. Now when we get to liquor, yeah. look out because. <laughs> You know, that's what I guess when people say that there's two different people, there's Kyle Strickland and there's the high side tickler. I definitely <laughs> turn into the wild tickler if I'm drinking vodka. That's for sure. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> um, Kyle, you, you uh, your intro, obviously 
fans, for those of you watching, listening to Stick Signals right now, you heard the new intro. Um, you, you talked to Scott Bloomquist. What do you guys talk about? Uh, everything. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, I'd say it's probably 50, 50, uh, on just his wild past and then racing stories and, um, and then kind of stuff I should do or what I should look at. And, um, it, it's, a uh, that, that kind of whole deal was kind of weird. It's like, it took me, I met Scott probably like four times before he even realized for who I was. And then, uh, <laughs> It was at a casino, uh, oddly enough, with Scott. And um, uh, he said that he finally says that, all right, so you're Strickler. I'm like, yeah, it's like there's not going to be a lot of people that are going to be walking around saying they're Kyle Strickler. Like, why? who would do that? (laughs) (laughs) It's me. He's like, I heard you're pretty funny. What's your favorite joke? I'm like, I don't don't know. Like, I definitely didn't expect you to ask me that. But finally, after we, you know, he, he, realized who I was and, and actually remembered me. And, uh, then we kind of, uh, hit it off. And every time I see him, I'd talk to him. And, um, a lot of people would call me the Scott Bloomquist of modifieds. And, and I had people that worked for Scott and hung around a bunch. So I'd always heard all these, these stories and, and, um, you know, looked up to him on the racing end of it. And, um, it was, uh, it was pretty cool to see how, you know, that it all progressed to him now. And I talked to him every time I, I go out there and that's where the whole dad thing comes from <laughs> is, is, uh, when they called me, you know, the, the, the Scott Plumquist of modified. So I feel like I was trying to, you know, go and, and do some of the things he's done, uh, in late models, you know, and, and I look up to him a lot and he's, uh, he's definitely out there, but he's, uh, he's the greatest of all time. So, I mean, if I can learn anything I can from him, it's, uh, it's going to help my career. Sure. Give us a wild Bloomquist Strickler story. I don't know. It's usually, we usually just hang out and usually drink some, some crown. Uh, I mean, the, I guess the, uh, one of them, it's not really a, a wild story, but it kind of was, it was cool to me was when Scott got hurt at Eldora, um, well got hurt. And then it was the first race that he was back at Eldora and, uh, um, he didn't make the, sh- was it the year? I think he didn't make the show because he was light. Oh yes. Um, yes. Yeah, it was when he won the one when he won the B main and then or the heat race yes. and then was light and then uh so then he didn't make it. So um he's coming down and he's hobbling down and uh, he's got a water bottle, which I thought that it was water at the time and I didn't really look at the color. <laughs> and he he's like, Give me a ride and he jumps on the four wheeler and he's like, Don't be a pussy and drink this. I'm like, uh, <laughs> all right. And I take it and it's definitely not water, it's straight crown. Um and we go down there and, uh, I asked him, I said, well, what'd you think? Cause it was after the race. And I said, well, uh, what'd you think? How'd I do? And, uh, he said, uh, well, you were doing really good until JD showed his nose. Then he started driving like a real asshole. I'm like, <laughs> um, all right. Uh, I'm and they're like, well, now everybody's watching. And it's just like, it was a cool moment with me and, and Scott just to, you know, cause I remember like looking at Scott from the opposite end, like, man, that'd be cool to go be that guy talking to Scott right, right. now. And then we're at Eldor and he's giving me advice on, um, you know, how to be better there. And, um, another one, a lot of them involve Eldor. And another one was right after, um, uh, right after the, the flat tire, which, uh, Lance Landers called me. He was the first one to, um, to call me that was, you know, like directly involved in it. Cause mm-hmm. obviously JD won that race then. So Lance Landers called me and said that, uh, um, 
he felt so bad for me that he almost wanted to send me the 50,000 that I lost. (laughs) (laughs) Almost. (laughs) And then Scott called me and, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was pretty cool. And then we were, you know, it really hadn't settled in yet. And, and I look at my phone and it's Scott Bloomquist and, um, I pick it up and, and I, I said, well, you know, before he even got a chance to say anything, I said, well, well, dad, I almost got me one. And, <laughs> and he went on to tell me that, you know, that he'd watched me, you know, progress and, and I'm definitely going to have my, my shots at, uh, the crown jewels and the way that I treat that place and the way that I run that place is, uh, reminded of, uh, you know, of him and, and how important Eldor is to him. So. Um, which Eldora is, I mean, I don't care if it's a, if they're going to have a big wheel race up there, I'd probably go sign sure. up for it, but getting to run the truck races there and winning modified races there. And then winning uh, my first 10,000 there in a late model, um, was awesome. So just kind of, I mean, that's kind of cool for, means a lot to me for Scott to call me and, and tell me those things. Mm-hmm. Let's get to know you a little bit better, Kyle. What do you do outside of the racetrack? Like when you're not racing, when you're not working, what do you do? Oh, uh, I mean, not much. I mean, you just ask my wife. That's what she says <laughs> that it, uh, <laughs> that's a racing is my life and, uh, that I'd, I'd much rather be at the racetrack than spending time with her, <laughs> which I, I do like to have times with, especially with my kids getting older now and, and, um, uh, which it, for her, she has to sacrifice a lot. Like our family vacations are usually scheduled right around like, Florida, we're going to go to the beach, but it's going to be in Daytona beach right after right. The, the race is there. So, <laughs> um, you know, our, our, uh, honeymoon was, uh, in Vegas for, uh, the duel in the desert, the modified race. So, uh, she's gotten used to it, but I like to, I mean, I, I love racing. So, um, my, it's hard to shut my brain off from racing. And she gets so frustrated at that because even when I'm at the beach or doing stuff with the kids, like, uh, I don't want to say I'm disconnected, but uh, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent just on vacation. You know, I'm, I'm always thinking of, um, something on the race car or something, uh, for the race team, or hopefully, you know, we got to do this, this, and this. So, um, I try to take some time off, uh, here lately, what I've, what I enjoy doing, which is odd is, is running heavy equipment. Like my parents, they had a, um, um, an excavating business when I was growing up and, I had every piece of equipment I could ever want to go do. And I like, I, I could care less to go do it. Right. And all I wanted to do is drive race cars. Well, now I'm down here racing full time. And like, I really enjoy going and running equipment. So my dad brought a, a backhoe uh, down from Pennsylvania and they bought a place down here. And uh, I like just getting out there and, and moving dirt around and, and doing stuff at the house. Cause it kind of clears my mind and gets it to where I can buy all by myself and, and I can uh, have some fun on it. But, other than that, hanging out with friends and um, and family and and uh, I'm, I'm I'm so much of a people person. I I like to be around people um, and enjoying enjoying life. Just talk to Ross Bales. Yeah. <laughs> Ross Bales gonna hook you up with some equipment to run. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, Ross, which is pretty funny. So when Ross was on there, because uh, I give Ross, you know, flack all the time about uh, you know he needs to be more personal or and and. But he's actually Russ is a great guy, and and we've become closer, you know, over the last couple seasons. Um, the, last year at Eldora, I swear this Ross beat me by one spot every single time on the racetrack, and they were given rookie bonuses. Like if it was your first uh, World One Hundred or your first Dream, which it was two, yeah, it was two years ago, um, because I was driving for Wells. So 
Ross beat me by one spot every night, and he beat, got all these rookie bonuses. And uh, I was kidding around about him that you know that he couldn't even let me have one. And uh, now with us racing together a lot, we've we've become pretty good friends. But uh, yeah, I'm sure he'd let me go out there and, and run some equipment for him and do a little work for him. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Kyle, we've loved having you on here, really. So Mick, it's funny because I go up to Kyle before the races at Smoky Mountain, and I was like, "Hey, Kyle, I have a question for you." I'm like, "Would you mind, you know?" coming to the studio and being on stick signals. He's like, I was waiting for you guys to come and tell me when to be on stick signals. So it's, it's, it's really cool that, you know, Kyle, you said it, your personality, that's who you are. You love talking and, and we love that. And, and I'm, I really hope the fans are enjoying this right now. I've, I've got one more question though. You, you had a background with the Northeast series stuff. Yep. Are we seeing a big black mod anytime soon. I really want to. So it's, I mean, it's, it's weird how things change. Uh, like all my heroes growing up, you know, the Kenny Brightbills, Brett Hearn, uh, Frank Cozy, um, this, uh, I mean, all the guys, uh, Jeff Strunk was another one that, uh, these guys are, you know, that I looked up to when I was, when I was little and was going to the racetrack and they were racing Northeast Modifieds. Well, now the way that technology is, um, they're all calling me or when I see them, they ask me like, what, what's going on with the late models? And mm -hmm. it's kind of cool to, to see how far, you know, technology has changed and because those cars, they really haven't changed, you know, in a long, long time, you know, they're mm -hmm. forever. They're straight axle, you know, coils in the front and torsion bars in the rear. And, and now they're trying to do all the stacking springs and, and coils in the rear. And, um, so a lot of those guys are, are calling and, and questioning me, you know, if any of the late mile stuff will, will, uh, transfer over. So, um, Brett Hearn called me, um, I don't know, it was probably about a month ago. And, uh, now that he's, more of a promoter and, and, uh, isn't racing nearly as much. I, I tell him, I'm like, every, any, anytime you can give me a, give me a shot to get back in one of your cars. And I'd love to go up there and run, um, run some races because I think that's another thing that helped me in my career too, is driving those cars. They don't, they do not steer at all. I mean, they're like a old farm tractor, yeah. <laughs> a straight axle. And, uh, we got that big right rear tire. So I think it helped, uh, help me with my steering the car with my feet and being able to control wheel spin and, and spin the tires when I need to, to help the car steer. Um, and you see guys like McCready and, uh, Tim Fuller and, um, you know, that, that are successful in the late mile stuff. And, um, you get in the late miles where they actually steer like they're supposed to, right. and, <laughs> uh, it makes it a lot easier. So I'd love to jump back in one just to, to see how far things have come. And, um, I, I think I finished, uh, my best finish, Lately on them was, uh, I drove for a guy and the guy was running home and, and, and uh, world finals there. I ran that and finished fourth cause everybody blew out tires and I ended up uh, finished fourth. I think that was like maybe 2010, I think. Yeah. But, um, I'd love to get Ben, you know, knowing what I think I know now or, or progressed and, uh, jump back in and see if I can transition over there. I think it'd be a lot of fun. It'd be cool to have you up at Super Dirt Week. It would, it would. You know, I went there to watch the last year at, at of Syracuse, and uh, I'd like to do it at, at uh, Oswego, because the one year I was actually going to race in 2005, I believe it was, um, it was when it got rained out. Mm -hmm. So I was pumped up to do pit stops and, and all that cool stuff, and uh, um, it'd be awesome to go do it at Oswego and, you know, especially since we have these guys that are coming over, like Friesen, you know, he's coming over to late miles now and, um, you know, realizing how hard it is. And, and uh, I'd love to go jump in the a modified and go up there because, I mean, speaking to, you know, of him, he's done so well. I think he's yeah. won, what, four, four uh, Super Dirt Week 
deal or something five, like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's a bunch of them. So it'd be fun, especially when you can cross over. I think anything I drive um, or anything that I can drive to try to help my feel. And um, I think that's why Kyle Larson's so good. He's drove so many different types of car and, and it really helps you, I think, uh, with your feel and becoming a better race car driver. Well, I mean, last thing, I, we got to talk about this rookie deal. It's crazy to call you a rookie. Um, you're leading the outlaw points. Ricky Weiss was the highest finishing rookie in national points, uh, third in 2018. Do you think you could top that? Do you think you could possibly win a championship as a rookie? Um, that was actually, we just had this conversation with my car owners uh, this weekend, you know, and, and uh, right now we're, it, right now we're, we're still trying to um, honor our word with Lucas oil and run as many races as we possibly can. Uh, so I think we got four, uh, four Lucas oil races and six word of outlaw races until we, we meet up and then they race on the same date. Um, and my argument to, to Craig was nobody has ever, to my knowledge has ever won a national touring series in their first, in their rookie year, first attempt at trying it. Um, so it's going to be really hard to dig myself out of the hole to even give me a shot at doing it on the Lucas series. The position we're in and the word of outlaws is really good for us. Um, if we keep things going, I, I think that it's, it's definitely a, a, a possibility for us to win. I mean, I, um, the, if you look at the payout, I mean, if we don't finish in the top three, it's going to be a, a, a huge disappointment. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, our plan is to go win the championship. I mean, I want to do something I really, I really um, enjoy doing things that other people haven't done. Uh, and Scott and I, Blinkwest, actually talked about this um, at Smoky Mountain. Like, I pride myself on being better um, at racetracks I've never been to or doing something the first time. So if we go, if, if the series goes to a racetrack for the first time, never been there before, like Boone, I have a huge advantage there because I have a lot of laps there. So I want to be, you know, the best guy the first time because some of these places we were on with the late mod guys. I mean, you imagine how many notes Mark Richards has for, you know, most of these racetracks we go to. Sure. So um, those are the uphill battles. So, you know, if we can go to these places where it's an even playing field, um, you know, Bristol is going to be one of them. Boone's going to be one of them. Um, I think that we have a shot because I, I pride myself and my team uh, prides himself on on unloading and making adjustments on the fly, not just going off of a notebook and you know going out there and racing. So, um, I'm uh, guns loaded, coming to win that championship, knock that rocket one team. <laughs> <laughs> one thing I love about you know the one team, they're they're always the first ones there. You know they're always unloaded, ready to roll. Like for example, the Bristol test yesterday, they were the last ones practicing, and I feel like you guys are there with them. Uh, how is this team ran? Are, are you in charge of the race team or is someone else in charge of the race team who operates it? Because you guys are pretty professional in my eyes. Yeah, the, that's changed a lot with the late model world. I mean, the modified, uh, they we always say the eight is always late because I would be rolling in late all the time. <laughs> um, but uh, you have to be so prepared in, in the late model world. And, and Vinny handles a lot of that. And he's really, he's really good at being opposite of me. I'm always trying to work on something and be better. Um, they give me a hard time because Scott taught me that too. He said, the race car's never done. You just finally run out of time and load up, um, which I'm very much like that. And Vinny is the complete opposite. Vinny wants it to be done a day or two ahead of time, waxing it and making sure we got everything. So we really balance each other out because if we were, if we were both always working up to the last second or we we're both way ahead 
wanted to be way ahead of schedule, I feel like we would, you know, miss out on both, you know, both ways. So um, I feel like with Vinny and I, it, it definitely is good to be opposites. And um, it, it's been been working on the late model so far because um, there'd be times where I would always leave leave late. So he gets me there on time. And, and um, you know, that Mark, you know, they run a very professional team and, and, you know, they're first class when it comes to that and just having the stuff that it takes to run the tour. So that's some of the things that we're trying to do now is just making sure we have all the spares and, you know, cause I've never run a tour, but fortunately Vinny has with, you know, with chase. So um, he knows a lot more of that stock on the trailer end of it that we do. So now that we have the opportunity with Craig and he's, he's, um, he's given us this, uh, this opportunity to go run a tour. Um, so it's, uh, we have a budget that's um, very reasonable and we're trying to stay within that. And it's, um, you know, it's a lot different than how I've raced in the past. So this late mile tour racing is, it's a real tough deal. So we're trying to keep our head above water and, and go out there and do something great. There's a difference between being on the outlaw tour and being an outlaw. And I'm going to say it. I think you're an outlaw. I mean, you already have two wins this year. You're going to be a great asset to the tour. Kyle, thank you so much for joining us on Stick Signals. Uh, Mick, if you have anything, I'll, I'll let you wrap it up with Kyle. Kyle, if you have any final thoughts or anybody you want to thank. Yeah, I mean, just absolutely uh, really want to thank everybody that's that's helped me get to this point. Um, you know, and, and this year with professional concrete cutting and drilling, um, you know, Craig and Shannon Sims, they've... Uh, you know, went out on a limb and gave me this opportunity to to come racing. And then um, all the guys that, that have been with me for a long time with um, G-Style Transport, Donaldson Grading, uh, Bill Stein Shocks, uh, Longhorn Chassis. And um, we we got some, we're actually running two different motors this year. We're running a Cornette and the Clements. And, and um, we found um, that they both run really great in different situations. So, um Stock car steel SRI, um, Andy's towing. I mean, we we have a lot of a lot of little guys that that's helped us. My mom, my dad, uh, my wife, and and, and kids. Um, you know, it's just uh, it's a dream to be here, and and um, it's pretty pretty cool to. When I first moved down to North Carolina, we went we go to East Lincoln in Carolina with uh, uh, an F one fifty and an open trailer and a, and a modified and and a bucket of tools. So now to be fully you know, of driving for a team and, and driving up and down the road in a half million dollar rig and, and have a full blown super late model team is, uh, is absolutely awesome to me. I will say Kyle did tell me at Volusia that he loves this team because uh, Craig and Shannon Sims allowed the partners, marketing partners that brought him to where he is now to come on board. And Kyle is just super humble, super thankful. And Kyle, we love that about you. You're a, you're a true, true um, professional act, I should say. So Kyle, can't wait to see you the rest of the season, buddy. Thanks for joining us on Stick Signals. Absolutely. Thank you. Man, that would be cool to see Kyle Strickler up there running a big block at the Super Dirt Week. Uh, for those of you who are not familiar from the late model world, that's like a week-long event up in New York, and it's just so much racing. It's just racing from the time the sun comes up to the sun, well, hours after the sun goes down. So that would be great to see him up there getting back in touch with his roots. Yeah, that'd be really cool. I mean, look at Tim McCready. Tim McCready comes from the big, big block world, and look at how s successful he's been in late model racing and a couple other guys as well. So, And I think Strickler could adapt very well. He talked to us in his interview how Kyle Larson is a good race car driver because he drives all these different race cars, and it gives him a good feel for the car. So I think Kyle would adapt really well, and, man, he would put on a show. For sure. Well, Mick, uh, yeah, we only raced one day this past weekend, but, hey, we did have a big day Monday night. Last night was phenomenal. Uh, Bristol Motor Speedway, the world's fastest half mile covered in 
dirt, the last greatest Coliseum. We finally got to see it. I mean, Mick, it was a, it took the breath away from me. I was riding down with Eric and Tyler, and and Tyler says, "Hey, look out! Look out the window!" And I look up, and I'm like, <gasps> "That was literally my reaction. Just <gasps> like it took the breath away from me. It looked amazing." And when we got there, um, uh, we went into the tunnel and and you know got onto the racetrack, and man, just just looking at this place. How I told you, and I don't know what episode it was, but I'm. I was excited to go up Bristol Motor Speedway and just look up, see grandstands, look up, see more grandstands, look up, and then there's press box and suites. Like it, it was super cool uh, to see that. And, and by the way, everyone there was so friendly. I mean, the whole staff there, they were they were super fun to work with and everything. And Bristol Motor Speedway is fun. And, and by the way, pictures and videos don't do justice, Mick, with how banked that place is. It's banked all the way around, even the right. straightaways. They, they really don't. I've been going there for a, quite a few years. My first time driving up, I had the same exact reaction. It's just... You know, it was it was cool yesterday to to watch you kind of have your first experience at a track like that, and uh, you even got to get on their their little yeah. PR broadcast uh, that they they live streamed on Periscope and I think Facebook Live, and you got to to talk with their uh, a I Dave the guy's name the the Bristol announcer though and a Dave Dave was a that? good guy he he welcomed me into the booth with open arms and Drew was there as well uh, Mick the the setup they have there is is just unbelievable the technology they have it was really cool and yeah uh, yeah to to be a part of the the broadcast team last night during that one hour and a half of brat brought of a uh, practice that they showed was uh, really cool so thank you to them as well. Well, um, yeah, no, that place, Mick, unreal. I mean, <laughs> it's it's not very often yeah. that you get to go to a facility it's, like that. But yeah, definitely, it's a, it's a world class facility, and we're so happy to be able to be there and, and to partner with Bristol Motor Speedway to put on this event. And uh, actually, after the test was over, I sent you around with the with the microphone to get some sound bites from drivers and kind of their reactions. So we'll get right into that. Here with Tyler Bachman. Tyler, what do you think about Bristol so far? This is live. Hi, it's um, pretty quick, very fast. They're uh, not very far off from uh, cup speeds here. What what have been the big challenges for the drivers so far? Uh, just just figuring, just trying to figure out uh, uh, the um, tire compounds and the, um, the temperatures and stuff like that. As a safety director, what do you look for on these cars when they come to a big, fast place like this? Uh, de definitely uh, make sure that they have all their safety stuff on, hooked up, and uh, and uh, just make sure you know they're they're uh, pretty much got the Hans on, and make sure that there is no uh, uh, violations. Here with the number six of Blake Spencer. Blake, what do you think so far? Uh, I mean, it's an awesome facility. The track's actually really good, and it's probably the fastest you'll ever go in a super late model. Do a real quick interview, real quick. Yes, sir. Here with Boom Briggs. Boom, what do you think of Bristol so far? Uh, it's definitely fast. Definitely fast and uh, definitely a lot of banking. So uh, it's going to be a cool experience. Uh, and they've got a month to work on it yet, and there's a lot of racing. So we'll see. Uh, I'm glad I got the opportunity. I can't thank Brian Carter and Casey Schumann or the World Outlaws enough for getting us this opportunity. So Because you're a, you're a big dog. No, I'm not. Here with Heather just so they know who we're talking to. Heather, what do you think about Bristol so far? It's big. What does Dennis think? I don't know yet. What do you guys challenge? What's the challenge with the car right now? Keeping it from pushing. Here with John from Penske Racing Shocks. Uh, John, how tough is it as a shock manufacturer, these drivers coming to you for advice with 19 degrees of banking here, how tough is it with a suspension of these guys? It's a little bit of a challenge. You always have to consider the, the rise in the load that these guys see compared to other places they race. So there's a little bit of trial and error involved, but we know directionally which way to go so we can help them out pretty quick. Oh, baby. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. 
Chase Youngins. Chase, how's it going? Oh, it's going. It's cold. What do you think about Bristol? Uh, it is definitely different. It's fast. It's banked. And it's really bright here. They got a lot of lights. How cool is it going onto the track and just seeing stands? It's cool. It'd be really amazing if this place was packed out. But, I mean, I don't know how many people are going to be here. But, yeah, it's definitely different. It's one of a kind for sure. How is, like, getting close to the wall? Like, does the arrow play a big factor in that? Uh, you can kind of feel it a little bit. I didn't get too terribly close to it. But I'm sure if you got right up there against it, you could feel it. Because, I mean, we're hauling the mail here. But, uh, no, I mean, it might a little bit. How do you think it's going to race? Obviously, you guys are just running out there, you know, uh, individually. I don't know. I mean, we're going so fast. I don't think we've ever it'll be something new for all of us. I don't think uh, any of us have ever these cars have ever been this good and this fast at a place like this. So I don't know. It, it'll to me, I think it'll probably be follow the leader, but you never know. They might widen this thing out and it, it might be slick and slipping around. Who knows? There's no telling. You've raced a lot of big tracks, obviously Eldora and all these other tracks. Is this the fastest you've been on? Yeah, I mean, this place is fast, but I'm telling you, Belleville's fast too back in the day, but this place you're carrying, it's got straightaways, so like you are hauling the mail and then you turn. Like Belleville's a big circle, so you just keep your momentum up type deal, but no, it's definitely fast for sure. Chase Younghands in 18. I'm with Daryl Lanigan. Daryl, what do you think so far? Uh, it's gonna be fast. <laughs> Here with Mark Richards. Mark, uh, what do you guys think so far? What's happening? Uh, I mean, the track is definitely going to be uh, different than anywhere else we race, for sure. Um, it's going to be intimidating for a lot of guys, and um, it's going to be... I, I don't know how it's going to race. You know, it's going to be hard to race because right now you're just flat out. So it, I don't know if that's going to produce good racing or not, but, you know, it is what it is, and we're here. Casey, a series director, what do you think about Bristol so far? Uh, um, I don't, I mean, it's, it's awesome. This is a cool place. It's, uh, it's bad fast. I'm glad we got to do this and, and these guys are learning a lot on the race cars and we're learning some stuff on tires. And, um, I mean, I think we'll at least be way ahead when we come back. You told us this was a test for tires and fuel. What have you guys got so far? Uh, I mean, it, nothing with fuel, but the, definitely tires. I mean, we've we've put a lot of different compounds on some different cars and um, just trying to figure out what's going to be the best, you know, tire life and, and racing wise. And, and uh, it's been really good to do it because if, if we didn't get to do this and we just showed up with, with what we thought, it have been it have been trouble. Track wise, do you think there has to be any changes? No, I don't think so. I mean, I, I mean, it's definitely drier and slicker right now than it was when they tested here a few weeks ago or a couple weeks ago. So that's not a bad thing. It's it's wider. It's maybe a little bit slower, but not not much. Um, but it, at least it's wider, and they can probably race a little bit. Hey, Ricky, what do you think of Bristol so far? I think it's intense. I mean, um, it's uh, definitely going to have a lot of action when you get uh, some other drivers out here and get racing them, but. I, I'd really like to go behind one of these guys and see what dirty air is going to feel like, but I don't know if it's the time for that. <laughs> Let's talk about the air. I mean, I know you guys are playing with spoilers around here. When you get close to that wall, does that really, you know, um, upset the car? The wall is minute compared to another car in front of you. Um, the biggest thing is these noses nowadays that uh, if they don't have downforce, they're not going to turn, but um, our car seems to turn 
in and through the corner better than most, so maybe we'll be better and dirtier. I don't know. <laughs> man, those sound bites were cool to get those at Bristol, but Mick, man, just like that, we're getting set to wrap up another show, but I'm not letting you off the hook. We're not done yet. What's the Mick nugget of the week? What would you pick up or what uh, you know upcoming uh, catches your eye? We knew Bristol was going to be fast, and as someone who's been there a lot, I had no idea that it was going to be that fast in a late model. I mean, I, I was blown away. I was blown away to watch them go in the corner, watch the cars set. Just it's fast. It's really, really fast. It really is fast. I mean, Ricky Weiss was the fastest last night, turned a 15.266 second lap time. He turned a total of 30 laps. That is an average speed of 125.7 miles per hour. Brandon Shepard second quick at a 15.287. Average speed, Mick, 125.4 miles per hour. So, How many laps uh, did he run, though? 156 laps for Brandon Shepard. So, I, I mean, right. uh, you give Mark Richards a, a track to test on, he's just going to run a whole race <laughs> or three. I mean, it's unreal. I mean, the, yeah, I mean, this is why this team wins championships. The, the test was from five to 10. They were the first car out there on the racetrack. They were the last team to leave as well. I mean, they had the, the, all the equipment out there. I mean, they had, you know, data rolling in the computer. They had the spring smasher. They had all their tools and they were on it last night. And yeah, yeah Brandon Shepard and Mark Richards. I mean, it was, it was, it was a very fun to watch last night. Just let's put it that way. They tested a lot, but yeah, 156 laps. What was it? 78 miles. If you do the math, it's a half mile, 78 miles of worth of testing, which is nuts. But yeah, Brandon Shepard, uh, second quick last night. Yeah. It, I mean, how you said it, it's pretty fast, but Mick, um, I know you want me to get, get we're going to, Guess since I give you, you know, the McNugget, you want me to do the nugget of dynamite. All right. So here's my dynamite nugget. Um, you know, the the track is going to be completely different by the time we get there because they have, you know, a whole bunch of racing coming up here. Um, I don't think they had the track figured out yet um, the way it's playing with the sun because the back straightaway turn two and turn three is in the shade way longer than the front straightaway turn one and turn four is turn four has the sun the most part of the racetrack that's one thing that caught my eye the whole track will be in shade except turn four and that's where that dust was coming from last night so i i feel like they don't have a good uh grip on the track yet but it's going to be a completely different track by the time we get there and i think it, it's going to slow down a little bit i think and it's going to race better than what people think. I, I agree you're going to have i mean what are we going to have like 10,000 laps between yeah. where we left yesterday and then the, the other events take place and then we come back and there's going to be oil and rubber back mixed into that dirt and and they'll get a handle on it with with the um a better handle on it. I think it was a well-prepared track and obviously doing something like this is learning on the fly. Oh yeah. Well, I know I know the cup record was slower than what uh Ricky turned last night. I don't know the exact cup record, but I did hear that um I'm not sure if that's true. We're going to we're going to have to look that up. But anyway, I think Ryan Blaney ran a 14 something there. But yeah, anyway, you can Google that, fans. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Help us out at Stick Signal. <laughs> anyway, some housekeeping notes. Uh, Dirt Vision this weekend. Obviously, the, uh, the the World of Outlaw Morton Building Late Model Series are off, but we have the World of Outlaws NOS Energy Drink Sprint Car Series at Magnolia. Yes, at Magnolia. Dr. Dirt down there at the MAG Friday night and then Saturday night at the Rev. So they're making the little southern swing. And then uh, the Sprint Cars and Late Models at the Perth Motorplex Australian action there as well. And opening day at the Grove. Yes, Williams Grove Speedway opening things up on Saturday. Obviously, you get every lap live from the Williams Grove Speedway all year long on Dirt Vision presented by Dean. So get that uh, 
that fast pass now, either monthly or yearly. Get it now. Check it out at dirtvision.com presented by Drydeen. Well, if you enjoyed the show, let us know at dynamite underscore Ruben at just Mick four. This has been episode number four of stick signals. We'll see you all next week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.